Welcome to Coastline Church, seeking renewed faith in Humboldt County by being settled and secure in God's love. To learn more, visit coastlinefoursquare.com. You know, when we were um, worshiping earlier, I liked a line that said, I want to run to you when the waves break through. And... Um, I wanted to share a little bit about what I learned from last week as I was driving home and I was listening to the message uh, in my car driving home last week. And um, and so I wanted to bring it into the message today a little bit. So it'll be uh, twofold what I got out of it and just a tiny bit of uh, uh, recap from last week for a couple minutes. One is that in 2 Corinthians 1, uh, Pastor Steve was pointing out that there was relational conflict, or relational flack, and that he decided to practically connect with them through first comfort. We have a common enemy, it's a spiritual enemy, and we all get flack. So he started uh, boldly but tenderly, he started with that uh, common ground. And sometimes when we're talking about conflict and all, you know, it's not the it's not the term that you want to go and have a party about necessarily, but it's kind of like good vegetables. You know, we, we do need them. We need to learn how to communicate more, to communicate well, and to have have ways of resolving conflict. It's a it's a it's a very needed thing in this day and age where most people, they just, they're done, you know, very quickly. It's, there's not, not any talking about it. There's not anything like that. But um, that's what I liked about that part of it. And then I, I liked that uh, Paul made a, uh, a quality decision to not trust in manipulation. Because, you know, he could have played the sympathy card. I mean, he could have. I mean, there are scriptures that say, I came to you, you know, like a nurse with a child, you know, and I'm doing all this for you. But, you know, that wasn't his style, you know. And not only was it style, but he he had the love of God active in him. So he uh, decided to be honest, come with common ground, and uh, practical connection go there. And uh, also, I liked that he had integrity of conscience, was brought up last week. We'll see maybe a little bit more of that this morning. Uh, and Steve said he was boldly candid and tender. I liked that line. I, I like that line. I would like to be able to be boldly candid and yet tender as well. Usually I can be one or the other, but not necessarily both. So that was a real, I love that phrase. Um, and that we can maintain connection when we have conflict. Who, do, who would like to maintain connection even if you have conflict? People you love. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, <clears throat> and then he gave us an overview of chapters one to seven is comfort and trouble, weakness and power, and um, and then uh, I did not write down the other chapters. So anyway, then then there's relational history, um, and then there's the greater covenant, reconciliation, resolution, 
possibly restitution. Uh, I thought I heard that word uh, in there. And he and and Pastor Steve always made also made a big point of saying that it wasn't like you know his other books that are like this art form. You know, I use that word chiastic before, where they have this all this technical. It's just like beautiful piece of poetry for those who even know about these things. They think it's a beautiful piece of work, but this, but this was more of a circular letter. So it's kind of like I mentioned this, I mentioned this, and then oh yeah, a couple chapters later I'm mentioning it again, you know. And so um, I like that he brought that out because we can see it as we're reading it. It helps us to understand more. I only wanted to uh, comment on two things. <clears throat> Uh, that I thought were really interesting about the history and the context, so it might be interesting to you as well. <clears throat> Remember Paul kept talking about how the, the trouble that he was in? Here's five suggestions of what the trouble could have been. It could have been all of these, but listen to this. I mean, we're not talking, I got a hang now. We're not talking, you know, I slept through my alarm like I did Monday morning. Um, we're not talking about these kind of things. This was five possible trouble spots for Paul. One, he was fighting with wild beasts in Ephesus. That's in 1 Corinthians 15.32. He suffered 39 stripes after being brought before a Jewish court. That's 2 Corinthians. We'll be seeing it again in 11. Um, there was a riot at Ephesus. We see that in Acts 19, 23 to 41. And there was a particular persecution shortly before Paul left um, Troas. We see that in Acts 20, 19 and in 1 Corinthians 16, 9. And he had uh, most likely a recurring physical problem. Okay. I hate recurring physical problems. Whether they're with me or the ones I love, I hate them. So there was five, at least five suggestions for trouble. Not, not, not a hangnail was mentioned, right? And so anyway, today I'm going to be reading from uh, the Amplified Version, so I hope you all uh, bear with me. And uh, yeah, wasn't that interesting? Oh, and there was one other thing. Um, remember when Paul mentioned that I had the sentence of death, you know? I always, I always thought that was just most likely because he could be killed, which is true. He could be killed. But for those who study these things really in depth, it was also a popular thing to say among Jews that they would refer to sickness as death and healing as a return to life. So since Paul was using the present tense, of last week's uh, chapter one there, it makes it more likely but not certain that the trouble could have been his stubborn illness that was in that top five, that the last one I mentioned. So it's not, it's not a far leap to think that it could have been uh, some recurring physical thing that was going on with him. So anyway, so let's start with 2 Corinthians 1, and if you um, have your devices or Bibles, I'm going to be reading uh, 12 through 17. I'm picking up two verses from last week just for a little bit more context, okay? So 2 Corinthians 1, 12 through 17. It is a reason for pride and exaltation to which our conscience testifies that we have conducted ourselves in the world 
generally and especially towards you, with devout and pure motives and godly sincerity, not in fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, the unmerited favor and merciful kindness by which God turns souls to Christ and keeps, strengthens, and increases them in Christian virtues. Remember, it's amplified. <laughs> For we write you nothing else but simply what you can read and understand. There is no double meaning to what we say, and I hope that you will become thoroughly acquainted with divine things and know and understand them accurately and well to the end. 14. Just as you have already partially known and understood and acknowledged and recognized that you can honestly be proud of us, even as we can be proud of you on the day of the Lord Jesus. It was with, it was with this assurance that I wanted and planned to visit you first of all, so that you might have a double favor and token of grace or goodwill. I wanted to visit you on my way to Macedonia and then to come again to you on my return trip from Macedonia and have you send me forward on my way to Judea. Now, because I changed my original plan, was I being unstable and capricious? Or what I planned, do I plan according to the flesh, like a worldly man, ready to say yes, yes, when it may mean no, no? When I was reading that part, it kind of reminded me of being back in school, back in high school. And I don't know if this was your world here in Northern California or not, but in Southern California, a lot of times we might be saying yes, but if we, we winked or if we had, you know, this little whatever, our yes didn't really mean yes, and our no didn't really mean no. You, you experience that too? Yeah, yeah. And so I was thinking, my gosh. I'm seeing like for what depths that they're that they're coming down that he's having to speak to him like that, although it was part of that uh, context, part of that history, like Teresa was mentioning, that there were others that when they said yes, they did they did not mean yes, and when they said no, they didn't mean no, and so it gives me much more understanding this. And he also <clears throat> during these scriptures is clearly stating his intention, and his intention is one of sincerity, you know. He did really intend to come to them, you know, but we have this thing called the Holy Spirit, and, uh, well, he, he changes things, you know. So he, he had a different uh, uh, place to follow, or a different one to follow, more than what his urgings were. It was the Lord. And he didn't take any kind of advantage. He could have taken... A secular advantage. He could have uh, tried to be uh, inconsiderate, but he decided, okay, if that, if this is the way that we're going to go, because he feels the Holy Spirit telling him to, he's going to do it, and that that's a really good uh, lesson for us too. That when we have good reasons for it, we can try to explain and. I think um, further in the letter, I believe, it'll say that he even sent a letter, which that was another thing that was very common in that day, to um, not only if, uh, if there was like a dignitary or something, to have a letter sent beforehand and then this whole entourage. But I mean, to me, it was like, it was polite. He at least did that. It wasn't like he just left them high and dry and they, you know, they were, they were all making their tamales 
yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were all getting ready for the vis visit that never came. You know, he, he, to me, looking at it, you know, of course, I had the, the benefit of being like the Monday morning quarterback that, you know, in my recliner, that, that with the benefit of seeing this whole thing, I thought, I thought he came across as being sincere and that this was a, was a good purpose that he would alter himself. So, anyway, <clears throat> let's go on. Okay. Yeah. As surely as God, uh, starting with Second uh, Corinthians 1, verse 18. Again, I'm reading in the Amplified, so there are a lot of words, but they're good words. Uh, starting with verse 18. As surely as God is trustworthy and faithful and means what he says, our speech and message to you have not been yes that might mean no. For the Son of God, Christ Jesus, the Messiah, who has been preached among you by us, by myself, Sylvanus and Timothy, was not yes and no, but in him it is always the divine yes. Yeah. I've always liked that scripture that was yes and amen, like it was it was a double positive. Uh, and then I realized that there was something else going on to it, so that, that adds to that. And so he, he, Paul made it really clear that, hey, I don't want you to think anything about the gospel being false. I don't want you to think of anything about the gospel being uncertain or contradictory just because I made a different travel plan. You know, uh, he's never been fickle. He was never false. Uh, in his promises, and the Lord never is fickle and never false in his promises. And uh, and again, he repeats our yeses, in, in essence, our yeses were yes, and our noes were no. And, uh, and then goes on to say that the promises of God are not yes, but really no. They are yes, and they are amen. Let it be established. Let it be established. I like this. I like it that there is constance and there's certainty and there's um, sincerity in the gospel, that it's not going to change. We may change. We may even change our beliefs. We may, may even choose at some point to not believe, but that doesn't make the gospel of no effect. The gospel is a covenant. It's a covenant that God made and God will fulfill his covenant. I love that about the Lord because in this world where a lot of times nothing is for sure, nothing is for sure, we can count God as true and that he's not fickle or false yes. and that we can have that stability. There's a stability in our times. These times you could say are uncertain, but within our hearts, hidden inside the Lord, we have certainty and we have stability when we choose to lean in into him and, and trust that staying in that position, staying in that place is going to uh, help us to maintain that supernatural peace that many others don't have the privilege of having. And these promises are the promises of God who's always been truthful and, and um, he can't lie, as well as his mercy endures forever. We were reading a a psalm last week in women's Bible study and in King James Version it says his love endures forever his love endures forever and we were like 
like after like the 20th is love endures forever or you're like come on can we be done with this but but really since it was a song and it was a song that was probably sung every single day among the Levites to the Lord uh, it just helps to remind us because we're so forgetful that his love endures forever that his mercy endures forever that that he endures forever and so that it's a good reminder of us a, a, a good reminder for us that he is he is the stable one he is the one that uh, will have that truth and then he goes on to say that they're in verse 20 that they're made in Christ and they're also uh, confirmed by the Holy Spirit you know um, <clears throat> I was thinking about um, the Holy Spirit as you know, the scripture says the Holy Spirit is like an earnest or like what we would say like a down payment. And I was thinking of uh, a, a real estate. And uh, when I put a down payment on my house, that was that was saying, it, what not only was it a legal agreement, but, but it was saying, I really mean it. I, I'm all in here. I'm putting this down uh, to let you know that I want this house. And I did receive the house. So, um, and, and, you know, my house could be leveled tomorrow if there was some terrible earthquake or something. So I'm not talking about some earnest thing that's going to fall apart. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit who will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And he, the Holy Spirit has been given inside of us. And for us to have as an earnest, as like a down payment of things to come, then we have that for, uh, from him. Hallelujah. Thank God for that. Amen. So let's uh, read on um, verses 20 to 24. <clears throat> Again, amplify. For as many as are the promises of God, they all find their yes or their answer in him, Christ. For this reason, we also utter the amen. So be it to God through him in his person and by his agency to the glory of God. But it is God who confirms and makes us steadfast and establishes us in joint fellowship with you in Christ and has consecrated and anointed us in doing us with gifts of the Holy Spirit. He has also appropriated and acknowledged us by putting his seal upon us and giving us his Holy Spirit in our hearts as the security deposit and guarantee for the fulfillment of his promise. But I call upon God as my soul's witness. It was to avoid hurting you that I refrain from coming to Corinth. Not that we have dominion over you and lorded over you in your faith, but rather that we work with you as fellow laborers to promote your joy in your faith in your strong and welcome conviction or belief that Jesus is the Messiah, through whom we obtain eternal salvation in the kingdom of God, you stand firm. Now when Paul said here, um, <clears throat> I call God for a record upon my soul, or in Amplified, I call upon God as my soul's witness, this was not... Um, like cross my heart, hope to die, you know, kind of thing. This was like an earnest 
pledge that he was pleading. Um, I know it's a bad example, but it's the only one I could come up with. But I was thinking also in my, my high school days, these really tough, like, wannabe gang members, they would say something like, like, like I swear on my mother's grave. You know, I mean, they're trying to, that's, that was their way of saying that they were earnest and that they were sincere. But Paul, when he was using this, um, I call on God for a record of my soul. He was, act he was actually saying, I'm sincere here. There, there's nothing... There's nothing I'm hiding. I'm transparent. Uh, before God, I'm, I am trying to hear Him and uh, follow Him. <clears throat> it wasn't anything like uh, trivial. And um, there were other, as Paul meant, as uh, Steve mentioned, boy, I'm doing well today. Uh, as Pastor Steve mentioned, uh, there were other apostles around, and they were even known kind of like as the super apostles, because they tried to make themselves to be something that they were not. And um, so they were always out for, you know, making themselves uh, look better. But Paul was not doing this, and uh, he reveals what we, we uh, should believe. And then he goes on to say, I read here that... Um, he came in 24 to promote your joy in your faith, in your strong and welcome conviction. Um, so that Paul was again appealing them, again that connection, like Pastor Steve was talking about, making that con connection that, hey, we're partners here. We're servants. We do this together. This is something that we have in common. And, um, and so... Let's partner with the joy. Let's partner with the joy of our faith. Let's stand firmly and, um, and know that our strength and our ability absolutely comes from the comfort and joy that flows from our faith. So I just was checking in with the Lord. Lord, do you have anything else you want me to say? know that when we were in the prayer room, Pastor Steve said he might, but uh, do you have anything that you want to add or or comment on or clarify? Um, well, it goes a little farther in two, because in two is where he gets more explicit, says, I did not want to approach you with another painful visit, which again kind of leads to the idea that there's a visit Paul had that we haven't had recorded, mm -hmm. that there was some visit where he yes. didn't come clean house and deal with things. And he's saying, I didn't want to do another one of those because we're in there together. And I, and I also, when referring to scriptures you referred to, I think it's so powerful when he says, it's God that enables us. And he gave us the Holy Spirit as the down payment. Because I always think, so the spirit of the God who made the universe is in me, and that's just the down payment. It makes me want to speculate, well, then what is the full payment? Yeah. How do you get bigger than that? <laughs> yeah. um, but, it, but his whole emphasis is, He's really saying, no, we're owned. Because like, when you put the down payment on your house, yeah, the bank can have a lien, but you own the house. So he's saying, no, we're all owned by the same Lord and we're following him. And like you say, I mean, actually the word is, we are commissioned with God and the Holy Spirit. So we're on a commission with God, partnered with him. Yeah. And then he says, I don't want to lord over you and tell you how to about your faith. I want us to work together. And as a team together, we will have full joy. Is that that is it's the running thread he has in there of I'm not coming over you, we're in this together. Yeah, it's so good. That's that's so good, and so well said. Um, yeah, 
Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I know. I, I wonder about the rest, too. It's like, if this is a down payment, and I can get so excited, I want to jump out of my shoes, what would the full payment be like? Someone else have anything they want to say or comment on? I was thinking of that word sincere, and this week I've heard on several, in several times um, that when they would make um, a pottery, uh, if something had a crack in it, in order to sell it, they would fill in that crack with wax. And it would look like it was perfect. But when it would get into the sun, that wax would melt. And then you'd have this broken pot. And that's not God. God is sublime, supreme, perfect, pure. You get the real deal. And there's no cracks there. There's no uh, fault or failure. And... Uh, you know, it can't melt in the sun or through trials. It's the real thing. That's so good. That's so good. Yeah, because uh, Jesus, with our sins, we think of what we have sinned, past sin, that we constantly ask God to forgive us as it comes to our mind. And then just hearing the songs, the words of one of the songs, and what, what I'm hearing is the Lord telling me that He is, He has taken my sins away. And it's like the feeling of, Lord, I want to be in your presence. God sees our hearts, but even a speck of sin, God will reject us, but we have Jesus who covers it. And we are, it's like we're sinless, we're, we're sinless through Jesus. And it's like the real it, it's like a reality to me. I look on for more of his word. I listen to what others say. It's like Lord Jesus, I want to be more of you. I want more of you. I want to be completely pure in your sight. And the Lord's like, child, you're He's got his arms wrapped around us, and God's looking at us, and instead of seeing the sin that we've all been committing, whether it's been generations, so we say something to somebody that we need to ask forgiveness, but we can't find them to ask forgiveness, so we're asking God, please forgive us. Please forgive me my sin of saying that to the person. And Jesus is like, your sin is covered. And the joyness, because I have been for, I'm not sure how long, during my prayer time, either in the mornings or at night, I, I give myself to Jesus. I like, Lord, take me, fill me, I'm yours. Lord, help me be in that quiet place 
that I feel it's like the Holy Spirit just overwhelms me as I'm praying for myself, for others, and for everything in the world. And it's just His presence is overflowing. And it's Jesus that is covering that sin. And it's just the love, just feeling the love. It's like, Lord, I'm waiting for your return. I'm waiting. I'm ready. I'm waiting. And I was like, listen. I'm physically listening. It's like hearing, waiting for that trumpet to sound. When are we going home, Lord? And it's just being in his presence, even for today, just being in his presence. And feeling his love is overwhelming. We're very fortunate. We are now the righteousness of God in Christ. Amen. So we are covered. And I like that uh, illustration of uh, feeling love just covering over us um, like a wave. I was, uh, I like that line, I want to run to you when the waves break through. And I know that a lot of us have uh, waves in our life. Uh, we have uh, things that like Paul might consider the sentence of death, whether it's uh, an illness of our own or illness of a loved one. Um, but the, the, the scriptures say in, in the song says, I want to run to you when the waves break through. There's no turning back. So let's just um, come before the Lord and let's just submit our hearts once again, fresh, just like today's a new day. Let, let's do it fresh again. Father God, in Jesus' name, we, we come to you. We come to you when the waves break through. We come to you with our full hearts, with our full hearts, whether we are in the highest of highs or the lowest of lows, whether the waves are crashing over us, whether they're breaking through, or whether we see them afar off. Lord, we just commit ourselves once more to you and to your ways. And Lord, we want to be victorious in doing the hard stuff. We want to be able to be able to communicate in conflict and to keep our connections. Lord, we want to be like you in that, who keeps uh, by your Holy Spirit urging us to come to you. We want that. We want that with all of our hearts. And we definitely cannot do this on our own. Because we've tried and it doesn't work. So we just love you and we praise you. Thank you for your word that is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. That it divides between our soul and our spirit. It divides between our joint and marrow. And it divides between the thoughts and the intents of our heart. We just thank you, God. In Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today at Coastline Church. To find out more information, please visit coastlinefoursquare.com.